Hello, and welcome to another episode of Oconus the Contractor's Life from Washington State. I am your host, Scott Dresser. My guest today is uh, Joshua, uh, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, Seabold or Seibold. Uh, he'll correct Seabold. me. Seabold, there it's we go. <laughs> Joshua Seabold, I had it right the first time. Uh, he's my guest uh, for this episode. He is, uh, man, he's got a lot of stuff on his credits. Uh, he's been around for a long time doing this stuff. Uh, everything from ISR to program management, uh, INL. Uh, and we'll discuss, we'll, we'll, we'll let everybody know what this stuff is. Director of Armory Services, Biometrics. Uh, he's a weapons instructor. Uh, he, he did some EP training through uh, Trojan. And uh, he's a global security manager. And uh, probably a few other things that we haven't <laughs> mentioned yet. So with that said, Joshua, welcome to the show. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. It's my sincere pleasure. Uh, so for the folks that are listening... Uh, can you uh, briefly uh, let them know who you are, what you did um, prior to becoming uh, a contractor? Uh, sure, absolutely. Um, I think it best sums up. Uh, one of the people I used to work for called me a burger flipper. So I'm, I'm be <laughs> one of those white elephants. I'm, I'm one of those civilians, was always a civilian that somehow got my foot in the door into contracting about, 10 years ago for overseas, about 15 years ago is when I started contracting for government contracts in the U.S. Uh, I just started out, you know, as a, as a younger kid in my uh, mid-20s, um, trying to figure out what to do in life. And I got into the actual security aspect of it back in the States. And just I think like a lot of other people or some people now just working armed guard, you know, rent-a-cop type of things. And uh, it was something that interested me to where all the different boring death by PowerPoint training classes, I, I was actually <laughs> one of those guys that was interested in it, you know, and um, I was always looking for more training. I was looking, you know, whenever there's a new contract or something that came out, uh, I always volunteered. So um, how I got into the overseas government contracting is I was working for a security firm in Atlanta, Georgia, and they had gotten a uh, VA hospital contract for security guards. Well, in order for them to maintain this, they need to have someone become an instructor. So, you know, for a pistol, rifle, shotgun instructor, OC spray, aspiton, and handcuff instructor. Hmm. And uh, my company, knowing that I was always that guy, that I was like, hey, I'll go do this. They, they didn't have to volunteer to tell me. I actually legitimately volunteered. Hmm. As they say, hey, we'll, we'll send you to all these classes. Uh, you get your uh, instructor certifications, but you're going to have to do it after your shifts uh, are done. And so, you know, working 8 to 12 hours and then trying to wrap your shift around it, which meant I had to usually go work at nights. And then uh, as soon as I get off me working 12 hours at night, go directly to an eight-hour class um they sent me to a couple different police academies to learn you know for for that day or two portion of instruction how to learn the oc sprayer the aspiton or something like that so um once i got those certs it was just a matter of waiting to to find a company overseas that needed that particular cert at that particular time and then i could get in uh without the military experience Wow. You know, uh, you and I talked offline uh, about that whole certification thing and, and how sometimes surprisingly 
um, stuff that we thought were obscure and didn't matter sometimes plays a big role in getting that position. But before we get there, what was it like for you, for the folks that are listening, um, because there's a lot of people out there that, you know, we all, some of us or a lot of us here, you know, hey, how do I get in? How do I do this? How do I start? What was that process like for you before you went overseas when you were getting all these certs? I mean, what was what was that like for you? And, and did you see any of this stuff on the horizon? Uh, or were you just, you know, just, just going along, just uh, following whatever was in front of you? It was a fight. It, it was a struggle. I initially got my first offer to go to Iraq, I want to say in 06. Um, and it ended up actually just being a huge mistake on the recruiter's part. It was just recruiter's wishful thinking, you know, um, that I, as a civilian, could go out there with, at that time, just basic armed guard experience. Mm. Um and so that is what just brought this whole contracting thing to light for me. And, um, you know, unbeknownst to this, this random recruiter. And, and I believe that was for G4S because I would have to wait for London uh, to call me. Um, and mm. that's when G4S was based out of, of, of England and so, or the UK. So um, it made me look into this, this overseas contracting thing more. Um, so, being a civilian and, and wanting to do it, but obviously looking at the job requirements and a lot of the companies at that time, I mean, if you were an SF, I mean, you, you weren't going anywhere. <laughs> um, and, and, and then when they started giving these contracts, you know, for actual force protection for entire bases over, then you had, uh, I'm, I'm going to mention companies I did work for, uh, but, you know, like the CSAs and things like that. We started hiring for Kuwait and, and uh, you know, Dying Horse and things like that for the Qatars and the Kuwait contracts and things like that, where it wasn't like in the actual hot zones or it wasn't in the, the war zones. Um, they started picking up some guys here and there, but then there was a whole clearance issue. Um, so I started looking that back in 06. I didn't, I didn't deploy on my first contract overseas until 2010 hmm. so it, i'm just one of those people that once i see something i want i'm going to go after it and i wanted to do it so it was a four-year struggle i know guys know now what it's like especially during this covid season try to apply for jobs and get a job and you know i mean sometimes it's just a great thing if the company has the automatic denial email that sends you at least like, Hey, at least somebody looked at an email, you know, and instead of sending out a hundred resumes and filling out a hundred applications and just having bupkis to show for it. Um, so, but it, it, imagine, imagine four years straight of just fighting for it. Right. And, but that is what, that is what really gave me the motivation to, better myself as far as the skills that I had hmm. um, because I got to talk to some of the guys coming back, military personnel. They would come and work for me at the security companies and the, and the security firms that I worked with. And now all of a sudden I'm their supervisor. And now you got some legitimate door kickers coming back from the, well, what I always call the cowboy days, like the old days in Afghanistan and Iraq, hmm. you know, where they were doing the, they're going up and down route Tampa. They were living out, you know, route white and couple, you know, they're doing the, they're doing the J bad routes and stuff like that. Like these guys were legitimately, there doing it. They're over their service period is over. Now they're trying to figure out their life and they're working for me at a security company, making hardly anything. 
you know, and so I'm talking to them about their life. They're talking to me about, you know, wanting to be a civilian and try to get more into the civilian life. Um, and so that's when this contractor thing really started crystallizing. I said, well, I might not now, but later on have a chance of if, if I get enough knowledge and certification, I can, I might be able to get my foot in this door. Hmm. You know, it's interesting you, you, you mentioned it that way too, because uh, I remember uh, there was a fellow I met and uh, I won't mention his name, but uh, he was, uh, as, a, as I recollect, he was ex-Marine. He was then in the Army at the time when I met him. And he wasn't the only fellow I met, but he was one of a small handful of guys. Uh, he, was, uh, uh, what, he was a recon guy, and he was, uh, he was, going, he was talking about going for the, through the uh, SF, uh, SFAS and all that stuff. And, uh, right. and we were talking about it, and, and, he, and we were talking about training and you know, going to Iraq and Afghanistan and all that stuff. And he, he, I forget the company he'd worked for, but it was one of the smaller companies that, that the guys in the industry have heard. Um, right. And he lived down there in the south area. I don't remember, New Mexico, Arizona, somewhere down in there, that area. And uh, he, anyway, long story short, he offered, he said, hey, Scott, um, if you want, um, here's my email address. We exchange email addresses. Um, I'll give you all the training you need to go over there and do that. And it's like, really? So I guess what wow. I'm trying to say is that what you were talking about um you know, for the and for all those people that are asking and, and want to know, there are people out there that are willing to give you, um, whether you pay for it or not. Usually, you do. Right. Um, what you need to, you know, the real training you need to get over there and do that, um, and they'll vouch for you. But these guys will do it only if they think you're a good dude, if you're squared away. So who knows how long right. this guy had been watching me? I don't know. <laughs> but you know, right. we say all the time. Somebody's always watching. Somebody's Absolutely. always listening. Keep your eyes dotted, your T's crossed. You know, mind your P's and Q's. <laughs> you know, there's right. a reason for well, it, I folks. Mean, <laughs> yeah, well, and that's especially true. I mean, you know, even before you get out there, that's especially true. And everyone in the contract community knows this. It's the largest, smallest world in contract computing, especially when it comes to more the the force protection or the, or the jobs that re, that require. Um, the use of weapons in your job. Yep. Yep. It's a small world. There's massive companies. I mean, some of the bigger ones that, you know, back in the 2010, you know, and we, we kind of pass each other. You were with the company and you were leaving in 2010. At the same month, I was coming into the company in 2010 yep. in Iraq. So we kind of, we kind of, you know, <laughs> without even knowing it, did a hair, air handshake and see one thirties back and forth. Um, but, you know, and once you get into that community, your name goes a far away. I mean, I've, I've worked with certain personnel, you know, on a, on, a, on a contract in Taji. Yet, four years later, I'm in Kabul, Afghanistan. This person's name comes up and five people at a table of maybe nine know of this guy, know of his catchphrase, hmm. know exactly his whole entire background. And out of the five, there are seven different, you know, um, opinions of this guy but hmm. basically it was it's it, that's how it is and then of course once you get into the once you get into those contracts that um require a little bit higher higher end level of, of experience that that some of the some of the guys that i've had a great privilege to work for have been on um it's the same thing but it's an amazing thing when you get one of those 
guys in industry that's been there for a while or, or you know is, is well respected uh, real respected and obviously this this industry is is just full of alphas yeah i mean you know <laughs> it, that 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 a lot of times is, is a big contention fact and that's one of the things once you get a contract and you have to realize is you know how to be an alpha but but how to how to beta your alpha to the other alphas that you need to that you need to do that to um but so 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 one of these guys in the industry you know like the gentleman that, that helped you out when one of these guys takes you under their wing or even just vouches for you um and, I, and i'll tell you a, a quick story about this a personal experience for me on one of the contracts i had uh, in afghanistan and this contract was about 90% SF. Hmm. It was just because of the nature of the contract that it required a true operator because it was, it was a very small contractor. You know, it was a, you had a, a local national, and then basically it was a local national, and then whoever the operator was, and they were responsible for, you know, a, a fairly uh, sensitive AO. Hmm. Um, so they needed you to know what you were doing. So it was SEALs. It was Green Berets. It was MARSOC. Uh, there was one guy who was both a SEAL and a Green Beret because apparently back in the day you could do both at one time, like back in the 80s or early 90s. There was a there's a there's like a program where you could do both, and he legit me was both. I thought it was you know BS me, but he legit me was both. Um, and there was a particular guy, and I, I mean I can even say his name because I asked him if I could talk about him, Jason Delgado, uh, one of the first Marsoc sniper instructors. Great guy. He's an author now. Um, great book he also happened to been, been my roommate uh, a few years back um i come to this contract it was uh in kabul afghanistan 16 um number one i'm a civilian um so i come to this contract everybody knows i'm a civilian even before i get there so automatically <laughs> everyone does not like me the program manager for that particular contract sat me down in five minutes he goes let me know by saying i didn't pick you for this contract corporate picked you for this contract i would prefer to go a different way but oh well you're here so i hope you make it wow gee thank you nice <laughs> to meet you awesome let's get this let's get this going shall we you know and you know uh so that's what i walked into um and it was very much that team's environment like you know these guys from different come from different uh backgrounds and different branches of service but they built that team environment like hey we all know that out there, you know, we're an individual, but, you know, for backup and, and QRT services, I'm expecting you guys to come get me. Right. So now, here comes this. Go ahead. Oh, I'm so, Yeah. Uh, I didn't mean to step on that. Go ahead. Uh, I, well, I was just going to ask, you know, it, when you when you finish that, uh, if you can explain to people why that is. Uh, the the team environment. Well, yeah, and, and, and uh, you and I talked about it before, and you know, I'm not sure it's the right term, but why there's that bad blood or bad feeling about you know guys that 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 aren't uh, veterans yeah. and one thing yeah. or another. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'll finish. I'll finish the one story. That we'll do. Yeah, we'll definitely circle around to that. Uh, well, anyway, so um, Delgado was on this contract, hmm. and it was my my third day there, and I, I was already getting hazed. I mean, I was the one guy sitting in DFAC, and it, it was a private DFAC. It was just for our company on our compound. Mm. But I would sit down, and then everyone else would sit two tables away. Like, oh, every, wow. like pulling up extra chairs to sit at a table. <laughs> and I literally, for three days, I was the one MFer that was two tables away. Wow. No one talked to you, no one said hello to you, nothing. Wow. So, <laughs> that particular job, yeah. 
Uh, but, you know, it's to be expected. I mean, the, the caliber of guys that they are, then have, you know, this civilian. And all of them know a guy that they would rather put in. All of them had a buddy that they would particularly like to be on that job. And I right. took that slot. So, for me, it's understandable. It's, it's just, it was, in 10 years of contracting, it, it, every single contract is started, maybe not that hostile. But it all started about the same. You know, this this civilian took my, my ballot buddy's job that he could have had. So, I'm used to it. So, I'm working the armory at that, that particular job. I was hmm. you know, supposed to be director of armory services. So I'm at the armory, and, and they had had a real armory ever. You know, the con- this particular contract is open for seven months, and everything's just jacked up. I mean, they, you know, people are using the armory like, you know, a candy store. So hmm. it's pretty well rated, you know. Um, so I'm putting it all together. They had three 249s that were, that were in the armory, and I was trying to ask around, hey, why, you know, what's the history of this? Why are they here? And basically this kind of got banged up and slowly, but surely, you know, all three of them for one reason or another, which is not reliable, be put out, you know, be put out for service. Um, and so, you know, same thing out there, just you take the three and you make one work. Hmm. Um, and so I did. So from the time I was told, Hey, we need this by tomorrow for training. So lunchtime, it's only a few hours. I had one complete up and running and working. It was just singing. Hmm. And, uh, Delgado, uh, during lunch, he came in and said, yo, Sibo, you know, if anybody knows Elgato, you know his voice. I'm not doing it right, but um, <laughs> don't be offended if he calls you Poppy, which was the first man in my life to ever call me Poppy, but that's a whole other story. Yeah. Anyway, he goes, hey, man, hey, man, thanks for uh, thanks for fixing that. Thanks for say, fixing that saw for us, bro. Um, did you really do all that yourself? I'm like, yeah, I do that myself. He goes, you really know what you're doing, huh? I was like, yeah, I mean, that's my job, so I'm here for it. I was, oh, man, you know what, man, you're all right. You're huh. cool. I got you, bro. I got you. And then that was it. Then all of a sudden, people started still with me. So he was the first guy on this contract to, hmm. first of all, even talk to me. And then to kind of be like, all right, you know what you're doing. So because you know what you're doing, we don't care about, you know, you're not you're not one of us. We just know that you know how to do your job, and we can trust our weapons. We can trust our, you know, whatever's in your lane. Wow. Um so whenever you have someone in the industry do that, and that's one of the things that we're going to circle back to people watching you. Obviously, people are watching me, but sometimes you can get in this in this mode where nobody likes me. And you're right. People might not like you. However, they're still watching you. Right. And you might have one of those guys who will break ranks and be like, you know what? I don't care if he's not one of us. I don't care if the rest of the group thinks one way. He, he stepped out when he didn't have to. And I said, hey, man, boy, good job. You're good with me. Appreciate hmm. you. And then from there, the doors just open as far as people keep talking to me. Um, wow. So that that's just, that's just one of the things that, that you know, you got to be careful. You got to be careful when you're in the industry. Um, everyone sees everything, and it gets out there. Right. And it will get out there. So even oh, before yeah. you get into the industry, just make sure that when it comes time to be a professional, you're professional. I know a lot of us, we, we work hard. And then when you live hard, especially when you come to the contractor life, um, just make sure that when it's time to work, you work. Yeah. Um, and for, the, for those of you who have a, a good reputation in the industry or maybe you, you have a, a way better DD-214 than the next guy, that can take you so far. But once you once you do that one F up and people look and say, hey, man, um, it could have been my life. Right. You know, once you, once you flag the wrong person on the range – you know, and that's like, whoa, bro! I thought you, I thought you were better at this. Like, you know, <laughs> um, people, people look, 
And then, <laughs> then all of a sudden, it's, yeah, he's a cool guy. Yeah, he was involved that one incident. He got his boys out. But there was that one time, man, I turned around, and it was supposed to be a cold range. I turned around, and that dude was behind his weapon. I don't know what he was doing, but he was flagging the hell out of me. And then that story is the one that becomes a story. Right. You know? So you've got to be careful. you got to be careful. That's funny. You know, uh, you mentioned Jason Delgado, and and I don't mind, uh, you know, putting a little promo out there for him uh he's got that show uh what mill uh what what's uh I, i've listened to his podcast uh a number of his episodes uh but for i'm having a brain for it what's the name of that show it's uh sf monkey thank you yeah sf bad monkey there we go or something yep, like that yep, soft yep. bad monkey or something like that right yeah and uh yeah he's got a book and the guy's got a pretty good resume i mean tattoo artists and, and design artists and, mm-hmm. and it's like wow yeah. really i mean you know yeah. but that that harkens to you know uh it's come up a number of times in discussions with guys and i think even with you you know a lot of us um if you get to know us we've Told you, 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 your mind would probably be blown because we are so, so many of us, not all of us, but so many of us are multifaceted and quite versatile and have many interests outside what we're making a living at doing at the moment. Right. Um, and, and, and he's one of those guys. I mean, but you know, there's a lot, I mean, you know, they got, they got bachelors, they got master's degrees, they got PhDs, oh, and yeah. you're going, what? <laughs> what are you doing oh, yeah. here, I mean, there's man? Guys, there's guys, yeah, there's guys that out there that you know get their master's degree. I mean, um, the last contract I was on in, in Iraq, there was there was a gentleman there, and, and uh, I had to get a hold of him, so I won't say his name, but uh, he, he was an ex Green Beret was in was in it for twelve years, um, and then he was with you know the, he was in the BW days and the, and the Little Bird days, so he he's basically almost a, a, a full time resident of Iraq. Um, back, back, you know, in the green suitor days and then back in the contracting days. Hmm. And um, we were talking. He goes, yeah, yeah, I just finished up my master's degree in international business yesterday. I was like, say what? Wow. Why are you here? Right. <laughs> why, why, <laughs> why, why are you with your GD14 and your resume working the same contract that I'm working as a civilian? Why are you here? Um, but no, I mean, it, it goes through. There's those guys with depth. You know, there's right. some guys that are good at one thing, and congratulations, you're good at one thing. But, you know, um, first of all, you need to learn what the word diversify means, and then you need to do it. Right. You know, you, you can't, you, you know, congratulations, you know, you were a trigger puller back in the day. That's great. But the, the game has changed, you know. Um, it's and, changed and a lot. Oh, my God. I mean, it's changed so much that I've been in for 10 years. That should tell you how much it changed. A civilian with zero military experience has been constantly, I think the, the biggest break I ever had out of contracting was like four months. And now just because I was waiting for one, my clearance to be changed over to a higher level. Hmm. That's the biggest break I ever had. I've been constantly employed to the point where I'm taking back in the day when you can do in-country transfers, one contract ends, I hop on the Blackhawk, 20 minutes later, I'm starting my new contract. Wow. You know, so if I can be constantly employed for 10 years as a civilian, in the force protection, in the um, in the contracts, you know, granted, I'm in, in a support arena or support area, but in the in the in the PSD, in the uh, PSS contracts, where you know there, there's a higher level of guys. If I can stay, if I can stay employed, that should tell you how much the industry has changed. So um, you know, people got to be cognizant of that and, and and roll with the changing. As we said before, you need you guys need to get those certs and. If you're still in, 
by the way, and you're listening, if you're still in the military in any capacity, whatever training they offer, whatever training you can get, take it. I don't care how mundane. I don't care if it's on a radio system. I don't care if it's on a – I don't care if it's for the headlight of a Humvee. Take it. (laughs) Get it. Make sure you go to your one shop, your S1 shop, J1 shop. Make sure you get to put it on your records. Make sure then it gets transferred to D214 because I cannot tell you how many times I've been across jobs or even – being in a, in a position where we're looking for some particular skill and for some reason somewhere in the government contracting side of it they decided to put in the performance work statement which kind of dictates how we hire who we hire what we do they need to have this particular certification hmm. okay never heard of it let me google it oh great now it's on the AKO or jko site or let me let me pop my cack in and figure out what exactly is this search and it's some obscure cert that you need that you can only get if you're in the Air Force, or you can only get if you're in the Navy. Hmm. If you're in those branches of service, do if I as a civilian could get overseas, and you really want to get overseas, take as much certification courses. If they offer a piece of paper with your name on it, take it. Hmm. Because you never know what random job's going to pop up, and, and that's going to be your foot in the door. My right. foot in the door to overseas contracting, believe it or not, was NRA rifle pistol shotgun certification as an instructor hmm. nra a civilian company for some reason along the line the particular contract in afghanistan was looking for weapons instructors and that was one of the qualifications it wanted they wanted you have an nra uh, rso course and then pistol rifle and shotgun courses you know, i as a civilian had that wow you know it's interesting you mentioned that because i do remember seeing those uh, starting to come up back then and and you still see right. it occasionally um, and right. for a time, that NRA thing was a big thing. I mean, you were seeing it a lot. It's like, what the heck? You know, you and yeah. I talked about that offline uh, a couple of days ago, a few days ago, um, and about the you know those obscure certs you might have got that you know I we talked about one that I almost threw away. I forgot I had it, and you know right. until until some company and it's like, well, and I'm going, oh crap, I think I got that. And sure enough, right. something I acquired back in the 90s. And it's like, and it's like you're kidding. <laughs> now I'm qualified? <laughs> you're right. Whatever. That, yeah, nothing else. But that, yeah, exactly. That's what qualified me. And, I mean, you know, there's, there, you know, again, we won't run too, down too many rabbit holes, but there's a gentleman who's worked for me uh, in, in Iraq. I was his supervisor. Uh, he was like 12 years in the Marines. He got out under medical. Uh, but he actually had training on the Harriers. Hmm. There's, and I don't remember what it was. There's one particular system on the Harrier that they were testing on another um, aircraft for for a more updated aircraft system. So he comes to work. Now we're talking about Force Pro. We're talking about your kind of bottom of the barrel, drag your butt to work for 12 hours a day, any <laughs> rock, force protection, sit on a gate. You're in charge of Ugandans type of thing. So we're not talking. We're we're not even talking six figures. That's like back in 2010 when they just took it over from uh, EODT. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is this is when, like, the 40% pay cut hit, and the guys that were left over were the guys that had nothing better to do. So this was during those paydays. So he comes in, and he's like, hey, I got contacted by a very large company uh, out in California. And, um, yeah, man, they're, like, they're offering, like, 130 to come out to California, man, but – I just don't like California, man. Their politics. Like, wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Hold on. <laughs> you, 
Right. And, the, and and let me just say this. This guy was one of those guys, right? Mm. One of those guys that the only reason why he was on my team, because my team was the last stop before. It was like, you know what? Go home. We can't use you anymore. So he had bounced around to a couple different camps, a couple different camps in Iraq before he even made it to my team. Mm. So I was like, wait, wait, you, the guy at the literally pound on your door at least four times a week just to wake up so you could make it into work. You, huh. you were offered how much money to do what? And I was, yeah, well, you know, back like in the nineties, I used to work on Harrier. So I had this certification, this particular certification, this particular one system on this entire aircraft is what I used to do. And so they want to test. I was like, so why are you taking it? I don't like California, you know, politics, blah, blah, blah. I was like, stop. <laughs> you're going to make literally double what you're making here in Iraq back in the States because of one certification you got, what, 19 years ago? Wow. Go. Right. You know, and I see actually I ended up going um, after he was told to by a couple guys in various colorful forms of the English language <laughs> and maybe some other ones. Go, you know. Um, so there you go. So that your your story, my story, that story, mm. you just never know. Um, I've, I've been booted off of jobs because – it all of a sudden went from not requiring a certification to requiring a certification, hmm. but that that certification was only attainable through the military. So, you know, however the wind blows with whoever has the power of the pen that writes out the statement of objectives before it moves to the performance work statement that, that these, these companies bid on these contracts, whatever it says in those contracts is what the recruiters have to recruit. So if, the, if it says he has to have this qualification, then you have to have it. And then if it's a desired, if you have it, then you move to the top of the top of the chain right. of all the other people that are looking. So, yeah, get those certs. Well, you know, that's, um, that, I know it sucks. It, it, yeah, but that uh, that's something that, you know, that here in the States and outside the States, I mean, it, it gets asked all the time. And it's, and it's like I'm, I'm surprised you st- that I still have to clarify for people. It's like, you know, the client dictates almost everything on the contract. Yes. You know, so, you know, you can rant all you want about what I'm telling you you need, but that's what the client wants. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. The company can't get paid for you if you don't have what the client wants. So if the government is usually always the client in our cases, uh, some form of it. If the government says you have to have X, Y, Z cert and the recruiter tells you you're not qualified because you don't have X, Y, Z cert and then you want to hem and all, the recruiter doesn't care. The recruiter would rather hire you because they get paid their bonuses right. and they look good once you get hired. Right. That's the whole. That's the, a lot of times I think people com, uh, conflate what the contract companies are. They're there for business. They're there to make money. Now, yes, they use a we're a team rah rah atmosphere because they know that a lot of guys, especially ex military guys, are used to that team. You know, we're on a team. This is a team thing. No, no, no. They're there to make money. It just so happens to be in this particular business because federal contracts are very lucrative. So they're there to make money first and foremost. They can't make money unless you have the, the certifications or the qualifications have it. You might have one through 99 of the 100 surf, uh, qualifications you need. But if you don't have that one extra one, they can't hire you. Right. So it's not them. Just take it as an L. Look for another one or see if – what you can do, like the gentleman offered you, hey, I can, I can, I can get you the search to cover these positions. Right. Just come out and take the training. So improve yourself. Sometimes it takes money out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. I didn't get, I didn't get how I transitioned 
from one career and I added on the armory experience and the armory part of my career is I'm sitting at a job that I knew the contract was ending. I wasn't quite sure if the new contracting company was just going to you know, bring us in and we're just going to change shirts or they're going to bring in their, their, their own personnel. Uh, at that time, I was in a management position, and usually the higher you go, the better chance you have of not being there when the companies change. Um, so I wasn't too sure about my job. Hmm. And uh, I'm looking online, and at that particular time, a lot of the jobs on, on a lot of the different websites that we, that, uh, us contractors we go to, there was just an explosion for armory technicians and armorers and gunsmithing. It was just, hmm. and, and I could see that these jobs were keep on getting reposted month after month. So I took a look at it and the, and the wording and the, and the qualifications was, you know, four years military, one year overseas, four years police SWAT, one year overseas or civilian equivalents. So that was my loophole. That I always had to look for in different jobs that or civilian experience. Hmm. So I already had experience as a weapons instructor, and because a weapons instructor, a lot of these jobs you just automatically were the armor. It was just it was just a, a secondary job that you had to do because obviously you know how to teach them, so you could take them apart and fix them, right? Not really, but they didn't care because they didn't have to find anyone else. You were already there. Hmm. So I had the experience, I had the knowledge of how to break down all these weapon systems that we were using overseas. The only thing I was lacking was that piece of paper from the factory, from Colt, from Glock, from Knight's Armament. Hmm. I was lacking that piece of paper saying, we trained him to do this. So I made the decision once my contract did end and it did end and, and I was let go. Um, well, I was going to take that bonus money that my company paid me and then, you know, of course, dip into my savings a little bit. And then I put myself through this, the armor certification courses I needed to go through. Hmm. Um, I think altogether, the initial time I did it because it was kind of a spur of the moment. I was, you know, uh, the contracted company did one of those things they love to do where you go on vacation and while you're on vacation, say, don't bother coming back, but yet your entire life is in, you know, gorilla boxes and you chew, you know, it's like, well, you know, that that's, that's all I have. Like I, I took, I took a backpack to go on vacation. So all my stuff is there. Um, you know, it's funny so you mentioned that there was a time yeah. when, when we, when we amongst ourselves, some of us, maybe a lot of us were saying, you know, where we got in the habit of just, you know, packing everything up and taking it with Pack us out. when we when yep. we went home because you never knew because contracts were ending and you never knew when somebody was going to stab you in the back. And, uh, yeah. you know, if you left it there, unless you had a good friend that was looking out for you, uh, you know, <laughs> that stuff's gone. Yeah, you kiss it goodbye. Right. All, all those wonderful <laughs> PX high dollar stereo systems and big screen TVs, you kiss that goodbye. But no, and a lot of contracts ended up actually requiring that because what would happen is, when people got smart, they started looking at their LOAs, and this might be getting a little bit into it, but for the guys who know us, you look on your LOA, the contract officer's name, phone number, and email just is on there. Hmm. So if you're any issues with your contract company, that is the person they have, to, they have to answer to. That is the person that makes sure that they're abiding by all the labor laws and they're abiding by you know, all the different uh, regulations that, that the, the federal acquisition regulations so far, all the different things that, that uh, govern that contract. So some people start getting smart or, you know, I've been called, and other people called, you know, the barracks attorneys start saying, Hey man, do you have a problem with your contract? All the information who to complain to is on the LOA that you're required to carry around with you all the time. Anyway, well, that's a good point. So when, <clears throat> yeah. So when the, when people started calling the, the KOs contract officers, Hey, they fired me. And they left all my stuff there. And finally, they're like, hey, you can't keep his stuff. 
Like you're you're resp- you're the ones who fired him or laid him off. He didn't quit, so he didn't voluntarily leave the stuff there. You need to send it back to him. Hmm. Well, you know when DHL at the embassy in Iraq is the only game in town where you can ship it back because the post office is now switched over to diplomatic. And you can't send a package over two pounds back, which basically means you've got to send a pair of shoes back. You have to send them in two separate boxes, one you know one shoe. Hmm. DHL is charging like four hundred and fifty, five hundred dollars, you know, for a twenty kilo gorilla box, and you have you know some of us sometimes three, four years worth of stuff yeah. in your chew. Well, they got packed that all out and send it. Which one company had to find out with me when I got five gorilla boxes? Huh. I was like, you know how much money you just had to spend. Why don't you just let me show up, let me go, and then have to be my responsibility? Uh, so they lost money on that one. But wow. yeah, so a lot of companies made you made you pack up your own stuff. Right. Um, and they need to leave like a little deposit stuff. But yeah, it's 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 amazing when we talk about this, the different phases, and even guys like you who were who were overseas before me. When you were like, okay, this was definitely a transition moment when such and such event happened. You know, like when the APO went away, went to DPO in Iraq, or you know, um, sequestration hit, and everyone's GS jobs they were hoping they'd get went away. And there's definitely different times in contracting history. Or when things change, it universally affected everybody. Right. You know, and it's almost like AD, BC type of thing. Like, well, before this event happened, remember in the good old days, we could do that. And then such and such did this and it messed it up. And yep. now we had to be more regulated. So, well, yeah, and that, that harkens back to the, uh, you know, that guy, you know, that one incident, you know, uh, you know, the one guy that screws it up for everybody. Uh, oh, yeah. and uh it's unfortunate it shouldn't be that way sometimes it makes sense it's kind of like well okay yeah that was an oversight that really does need to be corrected but other times it's like wait a minute you know that buffoon did it you know it's his fault it's his problem right go correct it you know why should the rest of us pay for that stupid mistake you know it didn't hurt right. anybody nothing nobody was going to die you know nothing broke but you know he just did something stupid anyway but you know it's interesting i used to uh there was a time short a relatively short period of time where i kind of went over there with everything i owned kind of like what you were talking about but uh i i quickly remembered or realized um through a series of events or mishaps that you know what packing white is a good thing (laughs) and and the thing is is and the guys have been this long time and i've known you guys you guys know me we always say the same thing all right man this contract I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to the PX. I'm not going to hit Amazon. You know, now it's Amazon back when, back in the 09, 10 days. I mean, I think the only thing you got the Amazon was like a book. Amazon was not a thing. Uh-huh. Um, we would order a bunch of stuff through uh, the PX and you know, go, go actually have the PX catalog and stuff like that. Hmm. But you start the contract saying, okay, this one duffel bag is all I'm bringing out. It's all I'm taking back. And you're not five months in that contract and you're already looking for more storage. You know, you're trying to, you know, uh, look through every time someone else demos, you're trying to go through their stuff and you just end up with a bunch of stuff <laughs> that for some reason you take ownership of so that when the contract is over, now you're scrambling trying to buy five or six gorilla boxes to fill with a bunch of stuff you literally found in a trash can, but you just don't want to give up, you know, because it's a value. I mean, it's, it's there's so many things about contract life. And another thing, I've gone to some guys' houses, and I don't know if you've ever seen this, but when you go to a guy's house that you know in contracting world, you come back and you go into their bedroom, and they have it set up just like a chew. 
Wow. They have the Rubbermaid. They have the Rubbermaid drawers in there. They wow. got the little. They got the little dormitory fridge in there. It's like, bro, you know, you're home. You're in the real world. Now. You don't. You don't need ramen noodles in a Rubbermaid drawer next to a tea kettle on top of your fridge. Like you, you're home. Like you can put this stuff in the kitchen, which is two doors away. Um, well, it's just a mentality. It's that mentality that you get. I'm not gonna lie. I actually bought one of those little dormitory fridges to put in my house, hmm. and then I was like, you know what? Just walk yourself two, two more rooms away and get out of the fridge. But it's just that you know, it's it's that. Yeah. It's a different life. It is. It's a different life, and it really does it becomes a lifestyle for good, for the better, or worse. And, um, you know, and we talked about this offline. Sometimes the, the worst parts kind of get to you. Um, you know, a lot of guys, this industry I've seen, I mean, it's to stay married or, or to stay not single is, is a, is a, is a struggle. It is. Uh, so this industry eats up your life, your personal life, especially. So it does. Um, that's one thing. That's one thing you guys that may be kind of dabbling in it, but aren't quite into it. And you want to get into it you need to really seriously take a good hard look at what you're willing to sacrifice. Look, look at your mama, look at your dad, look at your brothers, look at your sisters, look at your significant other, look at your dog. I've seen, I've seen guys darn near suicidal because their dog ended up dying when they're overseas. Mm. I've had, I literally had a guy go on suicide watch because his dog died overseas. Wow. He was overseas. So like, literally look at, look at what's important and special in your life and then come up with a legitimate plan of how to keep it all working together. Um, but say worst case scenario, I don't see you for a year because now, especially with COVID, those ninety thirty contracts, those you know four months on, one month on contracts, there's not enough airplanes to get you back and forth during COVID. Hmm. The contract I'm going to go on, there's guys that have been there, they've been past for three sixty five for months. They're fourteen, wow. fifteen months in straight. Huh? Holy so, crap! Uh, yeah, it's changed. The game has changed. COVID has changed it, but. Look at the people in your life and figure out how much you really like them because it's going to be put to a test. I'm yeah. single. I started single, but I wasn't single, and now I'm single again. Hmm. So, I mean, it's just it, – it'll eat you up. I mean, I got the brown envelope in the hmm. mail when I had a mail call when I didn't order anything. Hey, Seabold, you got mail. I didn't order it. Oh, it's the vanilla envelope. Oh, right. I know what this is. Wow. Um, yeah, a lot of guys have done that. You know, a lot of guys have gotten that, the divorce papers – while they're overseas. Wow. So um, that's another thing that that's kind of like on the darker side of contract. You, you, you got to, you got to figure out. And there's a lot of guys out there. I don't know how, and I wish I could have gotten hold of you. Cause I would have loved to say your names as, as, as a, as a boy, as a, as a way to say, you know, you're a better man than me, but <clears throat> there are some guys in this industry that I've met that have the wife, they have the kids. I'm thinking of one guy right now. I worked with him. I know contract in, in uh, Kabul. I hope you know who I'm talking about. He had a wife, kids, loving, wife and kids. He also was working on his master's degree when he was overseas, came back, started his own business. But he, from what it looked like, seamlessly was able to balance the, the, the kids going through high school, the wife, the getting the education, the starting a business whenever he went home on vacation. He was getting what he needed to be done. And it just seemed like a seamless transition for him. And I didn't know how. And plus, he's like one of the happiest, most go, go lucky guys on the contract. Mm. And I would just look at him and say, you, you're a better man than me. I, I can't hardly keep in control, let alone myself and, you know, a significant other. But you got kids and he somehow was made sure that he was there, whether Skype or whatever, for some of the bigger events. And it was just an amazing thing. So, um, 
that's, that's one thing in contracting to keep your head above water. And so maybe later on down the road, some of these things will come back and, and affect you in a, in a deep way. You know, look at your life and make sure this is really what you want to do because there's sacrifices that need to be made. Um, some of us, it's worth it. For some of us, it, it just it just ate them up. So, right. You know, that that's just that's just a that's more of a wisdom thing. That's been through it, been there, done that. I'm <laughs> on the other side of it, but you know, uh, just make sure that that you keep that in mind. Right. Yeah. No. And uh, you know, for the guy, you know, if 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 people that are thinking about doing contracting have been in the military and they've been deployed, uh, especially multiple times, um, it's probably going to be a lot easier for them to um, make that transition. Uh, right. But those that have maybe been deployed once, uh, you know, they, they typically do uh, can make the transition, not always to the civilian life, but they understand the, you know, the, the sacrifices to some extent. But especially right. those that haven't, man, you know, you and I were talking about that uh, before we started this. Uh, so why don't we, since, since we're at that bridge, what, you know, what was it like? For, I mean, we all kind of have the same or similar um, experience. What was it like for you the first time when you got over there and you went, whoa, okay, this isn't what I thought it was going to be? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, being, being over, being a civilian and being in the U.S., and I was working on different uh, military contracts but on the U.S. side of it, um, you have in your head worst-case scenario. You know, you have in your head like the, the base is being attacked every day and IEDs are every car and, you know, you just hear and you see all the, the horror stories and that's what you just assume is going to be. And you just think that everyone that once you get over there is just going to be so much squared away than I am and, you know, I'm going to be the one with the least experience. Of course I am, but you just think that everyone's just going to be SF and you're going to be a nobody. And then when you get over there and people are NDing around you, or falling asleep and getting in trouble for the weirdest things. And, and you just, you go over there and like, you know, the, the, the security at this office building was stricter than it is here. Like what in the world is going on? Mm. It was a, it was a huge, that part was a bigger shock for me. Mm. Oddly enough, the incomings, um, the fail systems, you know, all that going off, I assumed that would be happening all the time. So I was surprised it didn't happen more. Mm. Um, the my third day in country, our ECP got hit. Hmm. Welcome to Baghdad. But for me, that was just one of those things that, okay, well, this is supposed to happen. Right. You know? um, well, that's what you had so, seen in the media. That's what you'd seen and heard, and so you expected that. Uh, right, right. And, and so for me, that the biggest shock was um, – people are still human beings out here. They still make mistakes. There's still things that you're not going to agree with. There's still small things, administrative issues, pay issues, you know, life, as you know, it still goes on. This is a job. It just so happens to be a job that has high, high, high stakes, right. but it's still a job. You still have to deal with the, you know, oh my God, the admin lady emailed me again because do I want my 401k or not? Or <laughs> you didn't sign this piece of paper for, you know, your medical or, you know, you still have all that stuff you have to go through. Um, so, you know, that was my biggest shock going over there. But, but as time went on, um, it wasn't so much a shock. It was just whenever I would get promoted or I'd get moved to a different position, um, it, it was just learning to be like, look, I don't know what I don't know. So don't freak out over it. Either get someone that can help you figure out what you need to know or 
take the extra time and, and figure out how to do it yourself. Um, but it was it was an amazing thing. It was, it was you know to be able to, to get over there in the first place. Right. Uh, and and I think maybe because I was baptized so quickly, you know, like I said, my third day, like the first day, you're getting country is just admin stuff. Then the second day, you meet you know whoever your TL your team lead's going to be, whatever you're going to do. And then the third day, I was just like. Boom! Incoming, da, 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 you know, and you know, I was like, okay, you know, it was it wasn't a large scale something that happened. It only lasts about eight minutes, but still, it was just like, oh, yep, you rock. I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Checked it off the list. This is definitely not Atlanta, Georgia, or you know, this is. But then, as you go on, and as contractor went on, it was kind of like, you know what? After I say like the 14, 15, 16 days, it became. You know, I hear more gunshots, you know, working high threat contracts in, in Atlanta hmm. than I'm hearing now, you know, <laughs> so it, it changed. And then, of course, you know, ISIS hit everything else and then it reverted back to a fairly, a fairly, you know, uptick in temple. But hmm. um, it was definitely, it was definitely an experience to, I mean, I think everyone, the first time you hear the incoming alarm and, and that chain gun goes off, and you can see the tracers. I remember, and I'll say it because it's closed down now, but I was on Camp Liberty. And I was walking over to the gym and, you know, uh, uh, incoming, incoming. And I look, and as I'm looking up, the rounds are literally going straight up above my head. Huh. Like, oh, isn't that cool? Oh, no, that's going to come down on me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, when the rounds are going straight up over your head, that means that there's something straight up above you that it's shooting at. Wow. And my first reaction, of course, I was I was still kind of new. I and mean, this was only a couple of weeks after I've been in country. But that was like the first time I ever see that system, you know, work. And Pretty amazing, like, oh, isn't it? Cool. It's like fireworks, you know? Just <laughs> completely ignorant, you know, lost in, the, lost in the sauce kind of a moment. But at least I had that presence. I was like, oh, no, that's not good. <laughs> you know? Remove yourself from your current position at least a few hundred yards. Wow. You know, yeah. I got to ask you, um, because this comes up fairly frequently offline uh, with, with folks, it's, uh, but I, I know that um, a lot of us have experienced this. And have you experienced this? I, I'm going to, when you, uh, have you looked for work in the States and they, for whatever reason, they don't return your calls, they don't return your emails, and uh, you, and it's like, dude, I just want a freaking job, you know? Right. <laughs> I don't want to go back, <laughs> you know? Right, you know, and I'm kind of, and it's funny that you ask that because, you know, right now I'm, I'm inter- I've interviewed with a few different uh, companies, large companies, and it's it's an odd, it's an odd difference. You you have to change your resume. And I know, I know a lot of guys, we're in this industry, we don't know how much jargon we have in our resumes. Hmm. Because we're, in, we're looking at it from ours, and we think we cleared it up, right? We think we cleared the acronyms up, but we think that, you know, you do the proper thing where the first time you use an acronym, you spell it out completely, and then after that, you go back to just use an acronym. You can't do that. Um, you know, for me to, to, to put, you know, um, OSCI, Office, Office of Security Cooperation, Iraq, worked as a plans and program manager in the JOC, you know, and I was in charge of blah, 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 blah. Well, just in one sentence, I've completely lost a civilian. <laughs> what is a jock? What's yeah. a Joint Operation Command Center? Do you don't know that? No. You know, what's a CCIR? What's a PIR? What, what, what is all these things that you said you did? What's APEX? You know, what was, right. what's Jai Edo? You know, and, and we don't know it, but we have all this, all this even contracting jargon 
in our resumes. Um, this is something that, that I've actually helped, not helped, but I, I kind of, um, some of the guys that's in the military that might not be so adept at transitioning back because um, there is even a transition from contractor life to, to, to true civilian life. Well, there is, um, and you and I talked about that, and, and you yeah. apparently um, have done wonders helping out a lot of guys with this. So, so, right. uh, so Carrie, it's yeah. Something it's something I'm used to, yeah. It's something that I'm used to is, is you know, always being, I, I always known that I was the, I was the long shot in getting any job. Hmm. So now that I had the, the 10 plus years of contract coming back, I've always been civilian, always always been civilian. Now it kind of helps me out. So what I always tell people is first of all, look at your resume. Um, take some of that contracting money since you've been contracting, take some of that money that you would have spent in the Philippines or Thailand because they're all shut down now. Take some of that money and get a civilian uh, resume writer. And you don't, it doesn't even mean that you have to use your final product. I've, I've spent over the years, I would say maybe $3,000 on different resume writers. Mm-hmm. I've done the federal ones when I was trying to get a GS position. Um, you know, there's biographical, there's, there's all the different ones that you can get. Get somebody that can at least give you a foundation of, okay, this is what a resume should look like coming back to the States. Mm. Get on LinkedIn. Um, pay, the, I think it's like $29 a month for the premium. Pay for it. Learn how to take LinkedIn and use LinkedIn like you would use, use any other search engines. Find a, find the, the job you want. Look on that company's profile. Under the company's profile, it'll say people. Click on that. It'll have a search bar. Hit recruiter. Hit search. And then you'll be able to see everyone with the word recruiter or human resources within that company. Hmm. And LinkedIn always separates it by region. So say, for instance, you have a global company and you're in Dallas, Texas, and the job is in Dallas, Texas. Pretty sure the recruiter might be in Dallas, Texas. But even if it's not, if you contact that recruiter directly on LinkedIn and say, hey, I've applied for this position, and it gives a position number, you know, 085376, copy and paste that into your subject line. I say, I'm looking at this position. I believe I'm qualified. Even though it's on LinkedIn, you can still attach your resume, attach your resume. Hmm. I think I'm qualified for this position. If you are not the recruiter for this, if you could please let me know or forward my information on to them, I would really appreciate it. Hope you have a great day. Wow. You know, you that, that's $30 and you might have gotten a $60,000 job. So just invest in it. Looking for a job is a full-time job. Oh, make yeah. Sure that your res- yeah. Make sure that your resume says everything that you've done. Um, but don't make it five or six pages. I mean, I made the mistake where, you know, I had a, at one time, it wasn't even a biographical one. It wasn't even a federal resume. It just, because I didn't know what I was doing. I had an eight page resume because hmm. I thought, well, the more I put on, the more I, the more it looks like, no, they're not going to get page past page two. Right. <laughs> you know, funny story. You know? And I won't go deep into it, but, and it wasn't the only time. But uh, I had a guy at the time who was a, a good friend of mine. Uh, we've, you know, we occasionally stay in touch, but we've pretty much gone our own ways. I was trying to, you know, I was trying to help him out. He wanted to come overseas. I said, all right, send me your resume. I'll put it in front of the right person. He right. sent it to me. And uh, good thing I looked at it before I forwarded it off. And, and it's like, and I wrote back and said, dude, Nine-page monstrosity. I'm telling you, nobody's going to read past yeah. what page one, yeah. maybe two, if they're if you're lucky. Right. 
he was really butthurt, really offended. And I said, dude, I'm just telling you, you need to make this one or two pages at the most. Um, you know, and he got all off. He went off. Well, I spent $150, you know, yada, yada. Okay, whatever. Right, You right. know, I'm just trying to help you out, well, man. I mean, <laughs> I, think, I mean, I think $150 is half of the cheapest I've ever had my resume redone. Wow. Um, for, those, for those guys who, who haven't been overseas yet, um, and you might not have that kind of expendable income. I can completely understand that there's a lot of programs out there. Here's a cheat. Here's a cheat. I'll tell you guys. Look at other people's LinkedIn profiles. Hmm. Look at the LinkedIn profile of the guy who has the same job title that you're looking for hmm. in the same company. See how he's formatted it. Because basically LinkedIn is just online resume. See how they formatted theirs. Because he has a job you want. Hmm. He has a job title that you want. See how he did it. And then format your resume to fix to, to fit that. Wow, you know that's excellent advice. Um, and and I can say based on my experience, what you just said is exactly how I stumbled into it. But a, a guy that I worked with did something, and he and he wrote basically what you just said. And I spent years making my resume just right. I mean, just right. always constantly tweaking something to get it down to a page, right. sometimes page and a half. Um, but no, what you're saying is, is, um, I mean, that's just excellent advice. Uh, look at what yep. other people are doing in the industry, in the sector, in the specialization, and like I said, the structure, the format, everything, um, and tweak it and, and pass it around right. people that you trust to give you, you know, fair and honest feedback. Um, you know, right. and, and of course the, the true test is when you send it out, <laughs> you right. know, do you hear back? Right. And in this day and age, a lot of people use computer systems, software systems, and I know a lot of people don't like them. Um, but you have to realize that, you know, some, some like force protection jobs, these security jobs, you know, not to be harsh on a lot of us, and I'm included now, is we're a dime a dozen. Right. If you, if you don't have any type of specialized training, sometimes even if you do, some of these some of these contracts, you know, the more the entry level contracts to contracting, you are a dime a dozen. Think about how many people want, how, how many E threes, E fours, and E fives there are in the world. They right. all qualify. Right. All right. So you're going against all of those people. So sometimes, or not, sometimes all these large companies, that software is critical because they'll have thousands of resumes for one position. So they have to have these keywords in there. For for a lot of the jobs now that I'm seeing when I come back that I am applying for outside the normal contracting world, I change my resume for each job I apply for. Hmm. I'll look at the qualifications, I'll look at how I word it, and, and the and the, the jobs or the, the tasks I've had in the past that correlate with what they're looking for, I will make sure those are highlighted or maybe be the only things in there. Hmm. Just so that recruiter doesn't say, well, I don't know what all this means. And so because I'm confused, I'm going to have to ask him what this means. And I would rather not ask him what this means. So I know what this other guy's resume means. And it doesn't intimidate me. So I'm going to go over here and do this. Hmm. So, you know, you have to look at it through, first of all, the recruiter wants to find some way to get this, to get this job filled, to go on to the next one. Make it the easiest possible without being annoying. You know, the everyday message, the everyday phone call, the, you haven't looked at my resume yet. I mean, I've been, I've been back when you used to have to share choose. I've been in a chew with a guy who was yelling at the recruiter about how he think he was not squared away. And I mean, he was, wow. he was virtual knife handing the heck out of this guy. Huh. Like, and you expect me to get a job? 
<laughs> that's how you talk to your but you know it's amazing that a lot of these recruiters they have to put up with people who just think they're god's gift to earth hmm. and they should be hired and why aren't you calling me back i understand it gets frustrating especially in this day and age i mean everyone's working from home think about it if, if we are working from home are we even getting dressed? I mean, you know, it's the same thing for the recruiters. You know, they're like, oh, I was going to watch one more episode of Jerry Springer. I'll watch it and then I'll get to these emails. They're the same way. Right. right? So make it easiest for them to be like, oh, okay, yeah, this guy. I, I, I feel comfortable with this guy. Wow. Um, and, and let me tell you something. Every recruiter, I know we need to wrap up, but every recruiter that's ever given me a job, I still have their email. I've emailed wow. them and said, thank you. So, I get hired for a job, I go through training, I get deployed. The day I'm in country, usually you, you have to email people, hey, I'm in country, things like that. I make sure I reach back to that recruiter, hey, I appreciate you giving me this position. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. I really do. Um, I've also been known to send gifts at Christmas. Hmm. Guys, think about this, to your recruiter. Because you don't know when you need that recruiter again. You don't know when that recruiter might move to a different company because all recruiters aren't just, you know, you know, happy as peaches to stay at the current company. I've been hired by one particular recruiter for two different companies. Wow. Both of them very good jobs. But because I stood out, I was the guy who did my job. I got them their bonus because I stayed on the contract. And on top of that, I'll send them a little, hey, by the way, it's my one-year anniversary. I appreciate it. Hey, by the way, it's my six-year anniversary. I appreciate it. Hey, by the way, here's a little Christmas something. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to be out here. Hey, wow. here's a little free card from, you know, from the from – the, PX or something, you know. Just want to give you a little bit of love from Iraq, Afghanistan, where I am. So, huh. you know, make sure that you retain the, pe- the people who help you. Don't forget them. The guy that say, hey – I'll put your resume in front of the right people. Like, like I know we've all done for a lot of people. And then you never hear from that person again. Like right. I just got you a six figure job and I didn't even give you a thanks, bro. Wow. Right. You know, so the people that help you, the people that have in any way, whether it be in a good word or deed that have helped you and support you in this industry, stay close because then that will become your network. Then that will become the group of guys. When I hear of a $600 a day job on the border here in the U S and I'm asked by the recruiter, Hey, look, I know you're in Iraq, but I know you have a good network. Anybody you send for me, I'll give them a job because you're vouching for them. Huh. I've been there. I've been in a job where I pick up the phone. Hey, if you call me back in 20 minutes, you have a $600 a day job guaranteed. Wow. Call me back. As long as you pass the drug test. <laughs> as long as you pass the drug test, you can do this job. There's, there's some caveats to that. But I've been there, and I've been on the receiving end. I've been on the end where it's some guy that haven't, you know, a contract you have, but you haven't talked to in a little while. Hey, bro, are you, are you, do you have a job? Are you good? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of looking. Oh, hey, man, call this recruiter. They're hiring right now. They're trying to fill in training class. Hmm. You know, and again, I've done the same thing. I've showed the training classes where five of the guys in that class wouldn't be there unless I, you know, got on the phone and got on their butt and say, send it in. Did you send it in? Follow the recruiter. Did you, you know, and I can mm. walk in. Now, I have a group of my buddies, of my guys that I know I can trust on the same contract with me. They have jobs. I have a job. But you just continue to build that network. Build networks. Don't burn bridges. Um, you know, kind of the golden rule. Do unto others. And then when they do, you know, unto you the right way, make sure you return the favor. Make sure you keep those people close. Right. Um, it's, it's like we said, it's a doggy dog world. It's an alpha community. 
uh, once you get into it, if it's something you like, you have to do what you have to do just to sustain it and stay in it. Um, but you know, it's just like you and I, like, you know, we, we, we've never actually worked on a contract before, but we know people in common right. who vouch for me. And then I vouch for them. And then you do you a little bit of background research and you see, is this guy even worth it? If he's legitimate and then have him on the show and talk about it. Is, it does he even know what he's talking about? <laughs> um, which I'm, I'm surprised I, I slipped in here. Cause I think I'm one of the guys you should have more background info on. Um, <laughs> But no, it's it's just it's, it's a small, it's a very large yet small community. You know, what? So, uh, but, but you're right. In what everything you said is spot on, correct, and right, and it's all from that experience. And, and what you're saying is, you know, it's been said in other ways, and and you probably articulated better than I did. But the bottom line is that no man is an island unto himself. Okay. No. So and it and I've said it before. It takes a team. Okay, and right. usually, and usually, the bulk of the team are the people you never see. Right. Um, so there's a lot of people, typically, that you should be thanking when you strike success, and yeah. uh, and that's what I think that's what you're trying to say, and I agree with that a hundred percent, maybe even a hundred and ten percent if that's possible. But you know, right. <laughs> you know I got to yeah, ask you. Very, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say just just end end that part is. Um, there was one guy I've known for the whole time I've been contract. He was on my first contract I was ever on. And the only legitimate argument, and, you know, for a lot of guys, you know, um, you have to make a make a statement, you know, uh, that, oh, this isn't, you know, this isn't gay. But this is the legitimate only argument that we ever had is um, we were talking a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me there was a time not too long ago where he's, he was having some financial problems. And that he went out and, and he got suckered into one of these high interest loans. And then he was having to pay it back. And he, he was working extra hard to do it. And he was doing it. And that was the first time I, I, I kind of, you know, went off on him a little bit. I said, bro, how long have we known each other? We've known each other for 12 years. And you can't come to me and tell me, hey, man, look, times got tough. You know, could, and I understand for a lot of it, it's a pride thing. Well, it's that, it's that brotherhood to where, you know, you need to rely on the people whether it be in the financial area and then as we talked about before, even in the more the mental distress area and once, once sometimes those demons catch up to you, you need to be able to be open with the guys that have been there and helped you. Um, because for, for us on the other end of it, you know, it, it's, it's hurtful thing when, when you, when all of a sudden there's all this trust where you trust your life to the next guy, but you can't trust a conversation to him. Right. So keep the guys close, make sure we look out for each other. Uh, make sure that we're there for each other because, you know, and a lot of us know what it's like to lose somebody and it's, they're gone forever. So stay close to the guys who helped you out and, and then keep them in mind even after the contract's over and you come home and, and deployments are over. Absolutely. Yeah, um, you know, and, and it's, it's easy to get wrapped up in your daily lives and, and your own personal struggles and, and, like, and forget about what you just mentioned. But uh, that's an important thing and it's a healthy thing. Um, you know, just take a look, you know, just like you take a little time out of your day to, to do your exercise or workout, take a little time every day or at least every week to, you know, reach out and, and, uh, reconnect with your, with your partners, your buddies, your friends, your pals, the guys you worked with. And, uh, you know, that's an important thing and it's part of, and it's a healthy thing too, because, uh, you feel better and they feel better. Um, right. and, and it, and it is, it, it, I mean, I feel good when I get off the phone at the end of the day, talk with all these guys. And I mean, it's, it's just. You know, especially these days, 
as crazy right. as things have gotten, you know, it's just we're so separated and so segregated. It's like, what the heck, man? It's it's easy. Yeah, it's, if you don't have the right mindset, even if you do, it, it can still be a struggle. But uh, uh, I got to ask you, though, you have uh, you did a, you've done a lot of jobs overseas, different titles yes. and, and, and whatnot. Is there one that you did that you would call your favorite or one that you remember the most? And if so, why? Well, I will tell you the why before I even know which one I would pick. I would say the why because of the 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 brotherhood, the the, the people that were out in contact with me. Hmm. Um, and for me, long term, I would have to stay with the same contract. Uh, hmm. I'm not going to say the name of the company okay. um, for obvious reasons, for especially for a lot of guys who are on it. But if you ever found yourself in Helmand Province, in Afghanistan, uh, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys, you know, without even saying the names, I'll throw out some names and, and the people that have been in the industry know what it's like when you have a guy named Breadman or a guy named Big Will or a guy named Zombie Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, you start throwing out these, these names that, that of people that, uh, it's not their real name, but it's this brotherhood and, and you develop this, these, these, uh, bonds with people. Uh, sometimes the worst the worst a contract is the closer you get to the guys that are working with you. Right. Um, so I think I think probably that would be the contract that has left me with the most sustained friendships and relationships with guys that you can you know depend on. We sadly hmm. um, just last year, end of last year, lost one of the guys off that contract. He, you know, he gave up his fight here um, earlier hmm. than we hoped he would, and the amount of people that showed up to his memorial service uh, on the farthest tip of Florida. And we came from all over the U S I mean, I literally flew into country uh, from overseas. I was on an airplane with the memorial service. And then from the memorial service, I had to turn around and fly right back to training uh, in Arizona. But the amount of people that showed up, the amount of people that called and wanted to be, I mean, there wasn't enough phones for the amount of people to WhatsApp phone call or Skype hmm. to at least be there in video during the memorial service, um, that kind of bond that you that you that you have that you grow with people. And I had people call me from all over the literally all over the world on contracts saying, "Hey man, did this happen? Why?" Um, and then the response, then you know, funeral expenses. I mean, it took I think it took like an hour. Well, mm. there, there's like one of those uh, one of those pay sites set up where you could donate. I think it took like an hour for the amount for his entire funeral to be paid for, memorial service to be paid for. There's some other things that to be taken care of. And the, and, the, and the community came through with quite a large amount of money to do it very quickly. Wow. So I'll have to say that was probably my favorite contract because of the, the long lasting. Uh, we Not the most lucrative <laughs> by far. <laughs> not the most lucrative uh, contract I was ever on. Yeah, we talked um, about that too, didn't we? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 a matter of like what you want to get out of it when you're in contracting. Right. Obviously, a lot of us get into it. I know I got into it for the money, you know. And this is one thing that for the guys who've been in the service, they even struggle with it. Especially I struggle with it when I come back and people say, "What do you do?" I'll be honest with you. Most of the time, my people, I say I'm based out of Dubai, I work in the Middle East. And mm. the only reason why I say that is because when you say I work in Iraq or I work in Afghanistan, either it becomes political or then they start asking you questions about how many people you've killed or just <laughs> they don't know. You know, I'm a civilian. I still call them civilians with, you know, some distaste. But, you know, it's just it's just they ask the weird questions I don't want to get into right. or that really don't even discuss. So I'll just say, like, I'm based out of Dubai. I work in the Middle East. Huh. Um, 
but you know, once once you're yeah, once you're in this industry, it's 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 different, man. You you have to you have to get into it and, and know what you want. But you know, when you come back and people say, you know, well, thank you for your service, I was like, oh no no no, I'm in it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not in it for Are you a damn first, bloody mercenary? Yeah, I can't. I can't get. I don't get medals. I'm in it for the money, and that's why I originally got into contracting. And I think that's why a lot of us got to financial stability. Um, yeah. Of, 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 you know, hey, look, we're willing to give up this part of our life to make this amount of money. Um, now that the industry is starting to cut at rates that I never thought I would see. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm on a contract, and I'm not saying the one I'm on now, but I've been on contracts. And whether it be the contract change or a merger that's supposed to be good for everybody, and now the, the HR person for the new companies in country be like, yeah, so here's a new contract. We're so happy you're here. We just feel so fortunate that you've chosen us. And, um, yeah, we're going to give you a 40% pay cut to do the exact same job you're just doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they, they... I'm 40% less worth what I was. Uh, let's see, six minutes ago, right? You know, but they're really happy to be here and in your so presence. Happy. And we're so happy you're here. You're so happy you chose to be with us and stick to us for this merger. Like, well, I didn't. I wasn't. And I'm not. So appreciate you. At the same time, how do I leave and not burn a bridge? Because I never know what I might not find. I might have to come back to this horrible contract in my mind. I'm cursing out right now. I shouldn't do it out loud because if I do, I'll get blackballed. And I won't ever be able to come. Back. Like a bunch of other guys who, as I'm taking their weapons or leaving the contracts, are giving the virtual and real middle fingers to everybody. Right. And then two months later, guess who's withdrawing a weapon from me? Yeah. Oh, hey, man. I thought blankety blank this whole contract, blankety blank everybody, you're cool and I'm out. You know, what happened to that? Yeah, man. Steaks suck, bro. So, <laughs> Careful, right? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a weird. It's a weird industry. It's changing. It's evolving. You gotta change with it. Or like a lot of us now, we've been in it for a while. We feel like our worth is more. Uh, we've made the sacrifices. I've been out for ten years. This past Christmas was the first Christmas in ten years I've had in the U.S. Wow. When I was there, I didn't have any kids. For the most part, I wasn't married. And when I was married, probably the reason why I'm not married. So I didn't really act like I was married because I chose my career. Hmm. Um, so this is my first Christmas in 10 years I've been back home for the holidays. So that's that's one of the sacrifices, you know, it's one of the sacrifices I've made. It's, it is so different because now I'm looking more at the quality of life on a contract. Hmm. You know, I've been I've been where I ate sand in a Alaska tent with a hole in it in Helmand Province. The AC doesn't work. And if you don't know how to fix it yourself, well, good luck because you're going to have to fly somewhere in from Leatherneck. No, by the way, Leatherneck is shutting down. So you're <laughs> not going to have an AC for a little while. You know, that type of thing. Um, I've been there. I've been where the only meals you have was an MRE pack and then maybe a UGR at the DFAC, quote, unquote, DFAC which mm. was just another tent that opened up another bigger package of turkey sausages <laughs> other than the other turkey sausage you have at MRE. I've been there. Um, so now for me, after 10 years, it's like, okay, well, I don't mind having a job. I'm not I'm not too high on my horse to take any position. It's just for me, I look at it and say, okay, I've already sacrificed a lot. I've done my sacrificing. So what I have to sacrifice with what you're willing to give me now in the industry is just going so far down. So now they're looking for more than the guys who are just trying to get into the industry hmm. who are like, Hey, look, this, this $180 a day to go to Bagram and do 
force protection on the airfield, that's heaven to them. Hmm. And I know a lot of guys in the industry look down on them, but I'm like, hey, look, bro, we've all been there. Right. We've all been there. We've all been to maybe these guys are in a position where that's the most money they ever seen. You come out as an E3, E4, $180 a day. Are you kidding me? And I only have to work eight hours a day. Hmm. You know, right. and that's what they, and that's what they take. Um, well, that's so a good I, point. I well, that's, and that's a good point. And, and who knows what their situation is back home. I mean, you know, maybe, right. maybe the job that they had was paid half that. Maybe they didn't have a job. Uh, right. you know, they, you know, a lot of guys, like I said, I mean, earlier they, some, some guys, uh, I know I struggled with trying to find, you know, real work, uh, you know, right. for all kinds of reasons when they would talk to you, it's like, what, where did you come up with that? What the heck, man? You know? I, um, yeah. so, I mean, I, I do understand. I mean, there was times, you know, where I thought I was going to have to go back overseas. Um, right. so it, it does happen, but you know, and for all those reasons, um, you know, keep, like you said earlier, stay, keep that network, man, you know, yeah. uh, reach out and talk to those people. Cause you never know when they might need it, when you might need it, or you just never know. And, and, and if nothing else, maybe you develop a, a bond and a friendship out of it too. Right. You yeah. know, so, uh, um, my goodness, you know, we could, God, I'd love to keep going, but you're right. We have kind of run up against the, the wire here. Uh, so yeah. I want to ask you, uh, you know, uh, we've got so much, we, so much more we could talk about. Um, I'd like to, you know, hopefully you'll be willing to come back and do this again. I'd love to have you back and do another episode. Okay. Sure. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the, what the people out there in the, in the universe think about it. I mean, how much hate mail you might get for having <laughs> one of those damn civilians <laughs> on your program or something like that. But no, I mean, honestly, for anyone that's listening, I know the guys that, that I've worked with, they know this. Um, if you need help trying to get into this industry, trying to get a job, even before I got in this industry, I can't tell you how many people I got a contracting job before I could even get a contracting job because they would tell me, hey, I, like all I was lacking was the, was the DE-214. Hmm. So I don't care who you are. I got your job. So I'll be more than happy to, to help you give you some suggestions or something like that. But just listen to the program. Listen to the suggestions I have about LinkedIn, your resume, things like that. Um, and then, you know, just try to follow through. Don't give up. That's the biggest thing. I, and this and this is a way broader spectrum of don't giving up, especially to the brothers out there that, that we shared some experiences with. Don't give up, first of all, on this life. But don't give up on your – don't give up on your, on your job search. You know, I, I get down. Everyone's a human. We all get down. We might have our dependencies that we that we go to here and there. Um, don't get down. Don't give up. Keep applying. Right. You know, every, you know, just keep, you know, I had someone tell me before every day, keep swinging. You might get hit. You got You might get cut. You might get knocked down for those guys been in actual fights or have fought before. Keep swinging. You know, every right. day that you fill out another resume or you fill out another, you, you attach a resume and the resume that took you seven hours and maybe a couple hundred dollars to fix and you finally get it right and you send it out and then they want you to fill out a five-page application and you know it's going to take an hour. Hmm. Don't give up. Don't get halfway through there when the civilian jobs ask you for references for a job when all you're used to is just applying an LOA or them just calling the 800 number. You know, it's, it's a different world. Every resume you send out is another punch thrown. Hmm. Every five-page application is another punch thrown. Every time you get that rejection email, that automated do not reply rejection email, your re you know your resume it's great, blah 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 blah, pump you up, pump you up, but nope, you didn't get the job. It's still another punch thrown. 
don't stop swinging. Keep right. swinging. Man. The text message you send out to another brother saying, hey, bro, man, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm not having a good day. Send that text message. Hmm. Reach out to somebody. You know, don't stop swinging because once you stop swinging, once you give up, is once it all just starts piling up on you. So right. fill out the applications, go on LinkedIn, text message a brother, email somebody, reach out to your network. If you don't have a network, grow your network, uh, but don't give up. Man, that is that is awesome advice. Uh, you know, it's 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 a, it's interesting, and and I I laughed a little bit. Uh, but Joshua, you were you were recommended and referred. I mean, <laughs> you know, right. um, you know, and and when you and I talked earlier, I mean, I I quickly you know understood why, and uh, it, you know, and then talking with you again uh, today, I mean, it's um, you you know, and, and but that's that you epitomize. You're at least one person who epitomizes what can be done if you set your mind to it and you don't give up and you just follow, just keep doing what you're doing uh, right. and doing the right thing and just being a good dude. Um, I mean, you, you you do. You epitomize it. So for the folks that are out there that are, well, how do I? Well, you know, it, he just told you how. And, uh, you know, so if you got any more questions, uh, you know, anybody out there that's listening, uh, you know, reach out contact people i mean you know it's not like we won't respond you know as long as you're not a douchebag um (laughs) you know know, you're not trying to sell me snake oil um you know i mean you know because we do we do like to help people you know just you know just uh just just be just be yourself just be honest and just put it out there and and we'll help you um so with that said folks uh uh we got to wrap this up um going to have him back at some point in the future the stars line up right and i don't get a lot of hate mail i'm sure i won't <laughs> <laughs> so my guest for this episode of oconus the contractors to life again his name is joshua seabold i got it right that time Seabold. yes yeah um so remember folks uh be careful what you wish for because you might just get it stay safe stay frosty and uh, until next time keep it real